You guys want to talk to one of the leading Republican commentators in the country? Well, whether you want it or not, here it comes. Uh, Larry Elder uh, ran against Gavin Newsom in the recall election. He was the Republican candidate. He's a political commentator. He was on over 300 uh, radio stations before that. He's now with uh, Epoch Times. You can find it at Larry with Epoch.com. You can also find his documentaries at UncleTom.com. Don't blame me, he named it that. Larry, welcome to the Young Turks. Jake, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. No problem. Uh, Larry, you and I had a, a huge debate back in 2004, I think, at one of the conventions. Uh, good to see you again. Um, so my guess is that uh, we won't have found much agreement since then. Uh, so <laughs> let's find out. So unless, first, unless, uh, unless, unless, unless you reverse yourself, Jank, I know you used to be a conservative. I have no idea what the hell happened, but unless you go on reverse, I got I got a feeling we're going to have a few uh, a few disagreements today. Indeed, indeed. No, I have not reversed myself. So, uh, so Larry, you ran for governor in California. Now you're thinking of running for president. But the big dog says he's right. getting in the race a little bit later this week. Then you got Ron DeSantis. So why would you run for president if you've already got the beloved Donald Trump who's going to do it? I assume by the big dog, you mean Donald Trump? Yes. Uh, and of course, he's going to run. He's been running ever since he left the White House. Uh, and has always been plotting to come back. Uh, my goal is not to displace him or displace Ron DeSantis if he runs or Mike Pompeo if he runs, I think he will. Nikki Haley, I think she will. It's because in addition to the other issues of the economy and inflation and energy independence and the porous borders, there are a couple of things, Jank, I think I bring to the table that some of the others don't. Uh, one is I think the number one social problem facing America and facing the black community in general is a large number of kids who enter the world without a father married to the mother. In 1965, 25% of black kids enter the world without a father married to the mother. Now that number is 70%, 25% of white kids now into the world without a father married to the mother, half of Hispanic kids, 40% of all American kids into the world without a father married to the mother. It is a scandal and neither party spends very much time talking about it. What I believe happened, Jank, is that the welfare state has incentivized women to marry the government and incentivized men to abandon their financial and moral responsibility. And forget about elder, Barack Obama once said a kid raised without a father is five times more likely to be poor and commit crime, nine times more likely to drop out of school, and 20 times more likely to end up in jail. The second issue I think I bring to the table is to defunct this ridiculous notion that America is systemically racist. Obama got a higher percentage of the white vote than John Kerry did four years earlier. Uh, racism has never been a less significant problem in America today. The polls show that only a handful of people refuse to vote for a black person if they feel he or she is qualified. That was not the case back in the 1950s when Gallup first asked that question. But a lot of black people believe and a lot of white liberals believe that racism remains a major problem in America. And I believe in my opinion, I know you'll disagree that Democrats do this to make sure that blacks are concerned about so-called social justice and less concerned about taxes and spending and regulation and inflation and jobs the way everybody else is. Okay, so a lot to, to tackle there. Um, <clears throat> so I think, look, I'm married, I'm uh, happy about it. I got two wonderful kids and I know the statistics that say that um, marriage, uh, if you're married, the kids have a better shot, etc. And there's some logic to it, obviously, because of the dual income situation, uh, but, <clears throat> but that's an, in my opinion, even though I'm married, I think it's an outdated institution. But I'm not going to argue marriage with you. But <laughs> I, on, on that, hold on, hold on. On that, on that issue, though, I do have one, just one question for you, which is: 
do you think people should be allowed to make their own decisions? I mean, so I, I got married, but other people don't want to get married. So what? What am I going to do? Make them get married? What's the solution? Well, no, of course not. I'm not married. However, if I had a child, I would make sure that I was married before I had that child. You know, there are think tanks on the left and think tanks on the right, like the Brookings Institution on the left and the American Enterprise Institute on the right. They don't agree about very much, but they do agree that in order to escape poverty, you need to do a handful of things. Number one, finish high school. Number two, don't have a kid before you're 20. Number three, get married before you have that kid. Number four, get a job, don't quit that job till you get another job and avoid the criminal justice system. You do those things, you will not be poor. Unfortunately, a lot of people in this country are not doing those things. And as a result, we have a lot of social problems that we wouldn't have if we didn't start with kids entering the world, as I said earlier, without without a father in the house. So are you disgusted with Herschel Walker? No, I'm not. I, I like Herschel Walker. I supported his campaign. And I know about the allegations. He's denied many of them. But he does recognize, as I do, that it is important for a child to have a father in the home. Does he? Because so, he doesn't seem to have acted that way in his life. He seems to have had many, many children without getting married to their moms. And then he's had children he could have had, but apparently had aborted. So that seems like well, the poster not, child of the exact opposite of what you want, Larry, doesn't it? Well, he's not, he's not recommending that you bring a children to the world without a father married to the mother. You know, there are a lot of people who've made mistakes. Uh, one of whom is Kawese Mfumi. Kawese Mfumi is a longtime congressman from Maryland, a Democrat. He used to be the president of the NAACP. I think he had five, four or five kids uh, outside of wedlock with four or five different women. Uh, he recognizes that it was wrong, it was a mistake. He's maintained a good relationship with his kids, he says, but he certainly would not recommend that people follow his course. Yeah, Herschel Walker has not maintained a good relationship with uh, the kids that uh, he never even uh, admitted to, etc. But we get it, we can move on. So on the issue of race, uh, Larry, there's a thousand ways to tackle that. But here, I'll start with my uh, own uh, background and ethnicity. So I'm atheist now, but I was born Muslim, raised Muslim. Uh, and Donald Trump said uh, that uh, when he was running for office in 2015, 2016, he said that we should ban all Muslims from the country until we figure out, quote, what the hell is going on. I got news for you, Donald Trump's never gonna figure out what the hell's going on. So how am I not supposed to take umbrage with that? Am I supposed to agree to discrimination against myself? He didn't say ban all Muslims. He was talking about certain countries where they no, were no, 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 on the campaign, Larry, let's be clear. When he became president, they told him that he couldn't do that, so he tried to amend it. But on the campaign trail, he very clearly said ban all Muslims until we figure out what the hell's going on. Well, I like to see the statement and, and see it in context, but I'll, I'll accept what you said. Donald Trump says a lot of things that I don't agree with. Uh, he says a lot of things that are sloppy. He's not the most articulate person in the world, not the most precise speaker in the world. That said, uh, I thought he did a great job as a president. As president. And the analogy I always use, Jank, is this. I was watching a golf channel once. I'm not a good golfer, but I enjoy the sport. Uh, and a woman was was uh, asking these two golfers, how do you make a, how can you tell if a golfer is a good golfer? And one of them went through a beautiful, elaborate discussion mechanically of what makes a good golfer, where he puts his hand, where he puts his feet, uh, how he keeps his head. And the other one said, I look to see where the ball lands. Well, I like where the ball was landing under Donald Trump on immigration, on the economy, uh, on what he did with with foreign policy, on the on the three people that he got on the Supreme Court. So I don't pay attention to the swing. He says a lot of things that I wouldn't say. He uh, puts things a lot way I wouldn't put it. He tweets things I wouldn't tweet. Uh, I consider that to be a part of the expression white noise. I like where the ball is landing. White noise is an apt description, um, but <laughs> but but Larry, that goes to. The- <laughs> 
I said part of the expression. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but Larry, that does go to the point here because I'm not arguing whether Trump was a good president or not. That's a hilarious conversation and one we could have later. Uh, but you said you don't understand why people think that the Republican Party or Donald Trump is racist. I mean, so I mentioned the Muslim issue, but I have one of those for every single race and ethnicity. So on uh, when he was talking to Republican uh, Jewish leaders, he said no room likes to negotiate and renegotiate more than this room. So obviously anti-Semitic. Uh, when talking about Puerto Ricans, he called them lazy, and that's why they couldn't recover from the hurricane that hit them instead of his own incompetence. When talking about the Central Park Five, uh, five uh, Black and Latino kids in New York that were wrongly accused of uh, a crime they did not do, a heinous crime. Uh, uh, Rape, murder, etc. When they were proven innocent, he said, they, "Who cares? They should go to. They probably did something." These are all over-the-top racist and bigoted comments. Can you not see why we would think that he was racist? And the Republican Party that celebrates him and voted for him on many occasions, therefore, is also racist. Well, there's a lot to unpack with what you just now said, Jank. Regarding the Central Park Five, I believe they were guilty. I don't think Donald Trump was wrong about that. And then Ken Burns' documentary was completely wrong. I spoke with the officer in question. By the way, he happened to be a black guy. He was not interviewed in the documentary that Ken Burns did. And he is convinced that these boys did, in fact, commit the crime. But I don't want to debate that. that that's the, insane, the Larry. I got to tell the audience real quick. They were exonerated by the justice system. The DNA no. of the actual killer was found at the crime scene. So I don't you want said, misinformation you, on this channel. That's said, crazy you, talk. You, you, said, you said killer, nobody was killed. Sorry, uh, right, the the DNA of, thank you for the clarification. The, the, DNA of, the DNA of another person was found there. There's no question about that. But during the trial, if you watch the trial, uh, they said that we did not get everybody who was involved. And these boys were not just charged with penetration, they were charged with holding her down and many other crimes related to the rape. The guy so had I nothing to do with the kids, they don't even know each other. I, okay, uh, so go I, on, but just I, I want the audience I, to I know believe, they were believe, totally I innocent. They were, I believe they were guilty and I urge you to read some of the columns that Ann Coulter wrote about the, about oh. the Central Park Five and then, and then make your assessment. I also did a documentary about this. Uh, for Epoch Times, I urge you to take a look at that, where I interviewed the the man who was uh, the lead investigator, uh, and then you make make your your own mind whether or not I'm right or whether or not Jenk is right. Yeah, now, but get, uh, let's get back. By the way, just again for clarification, the justice system, prosecutors, everyone involved said they did not do it; they were innocent no, and no, they, they were didn't. released. So no, no, they didn't. The two the two lead prosecutors still maintain that the uh, that these boys were. No, in no, fact I don't mean guilty. the original prosecutors. Who ruined those kids' lives for their own goddamn careers? Of course, they're going to lie about it. I mean, the current day prosecutors well, who say, "No, we found the guy, and now we're prosecuting him, the actual guy who did it." But again, I don't want to get stuck on that for the whole interview. Jake, People can check Jake, out the actual you're, you're truth for themselves, Jake, uh, no matter what Ann Coulter wrote about it. Dick, you're a lawyer. I'm a lawyer. You know what the canons of ethics are. The prosecutors have to do justice. No. Uh, and if there's evidence that these boys were were innocent, the prosecutors. I have to then argue and make sure that they are not prosecuted. The lead prosecutors in this case still maintain that these boys were in fact guilty. Okay, I think they're goddamn liars and deeply immoral, but we can move on. So all the litany of well, different I, racist things that Donald Trump said, are you gonna say no, none of them were racist or some of them were, well, but uh, so what, deal with it. 
Let's talk about, if you don't mind, the litany of racist things that Joe Biden has said. He told Charlemagne the God, you ain't really black if you don't want to vote for me. What the hell is that? Telling somebody that they're not really black unless you vote Democrat. He said it to an audience of a bunch of black people about Mitt Romney. He wants to put y'all back in chains. He's lied consistently for decades about his alleged civil rights record, claims he went to the black church. Uh, where he would strategize how to desegregate restaurants and, and movie theaters in Wilmington, Delaware. A New York Times investigated, zero evidence he ever did any of that. Black members of the church said they never saw him. He lied and said that he was with Andy Young uh, when, he, when he tried to visit Nelson Mandela during apartheid South Africa. Uh, no evidence whatsoever that he did that. Uh, he's lied repeatedly about his, uh, his alleged civil rights record. Why? In order to curry favor with black people, never mind insulting them and lying to them about what he's done. I consider that to be pretty racist. He said that, that Barack Obama was the first light-skinned, clean African-American. He's never met a clean African-American before. What is that? Yeah, so Larry, good news for you. Unlike right-wing media, we don't lie. So whether you think those are racist or not, we have shared almost every one of those with our audience. We've criticized Biden deeply for every one of those incidents. So we're not like mainstream media. We have pointed out every single thing that you mentioned and deeply criticized them for it. I never said you didn't. I'm just saying that when you talk about how racist Donald Trump is, let's look at some of the ridiculously racist things that Joe Biden has said. He said that black kids were just as smart as, just as talented as white kids. What is that? I mean, honestly, he's made bonehead comment like that after bonehead comment like that. If not bigoted, racist, certainly boneheaded. And both but parties Larry, have done that. There's still a giant difference. Why is there a giant difference? Because Joe Biden has said a lot of dumb things and you could and and bad things and by the way lies the lies drive me nuts and what he said about being with Nelson Mandela we emphasize that a ton on this show because it's a totally unacceptable lie but Joe Biden as president has not tried to implement anything that was bigoted whereas Donald Trump came in and as one of many examples he instantly said I don't want trans people in the military these people who said we will die for this country we love this country so much said I don't want you because you're not the right kind of person. I don't want equality for all. I want to discriminate against you. So that is him. And by the way, they, he's had his Justice Department go to court and argue in favor of bigotry against LGBTQ folks in many different instances. So those are him actually applying the bigotry. That's an enormous difference between him and Biden. Well, Joe Biden has done a lot of things as president that I have objected to, just as ferociously as you objected to what you just now said. I think Joe Biden, with a stroke of a pen, relieving about $500 billion of student debt, was illegal and wrong and should not have done it the way he you pulled out of You think that's the same as bigotry or racism? We're talking about his record as a president. I think what Donald Trump has done for the economy was outstanding. What he did for the borders was outstanding. What he did on judges was outstanding. Everybody can quarrel with certain kinds of things that people have said. I don't think you dismiss Donald Trump just because of what he said about about trans people. I mean, my goodness, if I did that, I could dismiss Joe Biden for lying and saying that the the student debt forgiveness program was ratified by Congress, and then he signed the bill after two or three by. Was, was was passed by Congress with two or three votes and he signed the bill when it was in fact a, an executive order. Uh, he claimed that his son died in Iraq when his son died of cancer stateside. Uh, he said that gasoline was $5 a gallon, uh, was less than $5, was, I'm sorry, was, uh, was $5 a gallon when he became president, when in fact it was half that. He's made all sorts of bonehead statements, blunders, uh, and done things like 
reversing our energy independence that I object to. So I look at the entire record, not just one or two things. Okay, so I can debate every one of those things with you, except there's many that I wouldn't debate. Joe Biden has said many boneheaded things, and he often states things that are not true. And we call him out on that because our job is to do the news and not to do propaganda. So I want to move to another article that you wrote. This is uh, it's a similar topic. You take great offense at Joe Biden talking about how Republicans are semi-fascist. I would say for the Republicans supporting Donald Trump, I would take the semi out. So I guess you're going to take even deeper offense at that. But let me set it up for you so that you could answer it. I I very much do, and it's a it's a tactic that Democrats have done for decades. They call Ronald Reagan a fascist. They call George W. Bush a fascist. George George. George Soros compared him to, to Joseph Goebbels. I mean, Democrats uh, do that all the time. Uh, and no matter who it is, if it's Ron DeSantis who will be the candidate in 2024, believe me, he'll be called a fascist as well. That's how Democrats roll. So Larry, the good news is you're not talking to a standard Democrat or an establishment Democrat. In fact, today on the show, on the Young Turks, I said Ron DeSantis is not a fascist, but Donald Trump is. And I explained the distinction. The distinction is Donald Trump, when he lost an election, refused to leave like a fascist. That's awfully generous of you to call, to not call Ron DeSantis a fan. I am. I, I, I'm very merciful <laughs> like that. And so, yeah. and in fact, I have uh, even during the Bush era when they're starting illegal wars, they're doing anything that corporations want, which by the way is fairly standard in American politics. They're doing torture. They're doing illegal wiretapping. I used to use the quote of Sandra Day O'Connor about how we should avoid the beginnings. Those beginnings so we could avoid the ends when referring to fascism, saying that, hey, look, these are dangerous things, but we never went to the word fascist. The reason we went to the word fascist, I did, and and, and some hosts of TYT did with Donald Trump is because he wouldn't leave when he had lost an election. And he and, and it's not just that, Larry. Today, John Kelly, his former chief of staff, with one of many laws that Donald Trump broke, asking McCabe and Comey to be investigated, his political opponents to be investigated by the IRS, deeply illegal, deeply unconstitutional. And he kept telling John Kelly what he says every time. I don't give a goddamn about the laws of America. They're my opponents and I want you to do it. You know who says that? A goddamn fascist says it. So tell me otherwise. Well, let's, let's, let's talk about fascism. Fascism, of course, is totalitarianism. Socialism is the when the government owns means of production. Fascism is when the government allows you to own the means of production, but then tells you how to produce. I'll give you an example. Barack Obama passed a bill that, that required every man, woman, and child to purchase health care insurance, whether they wanted it, whether they needed it, or whether they could afford it. What do you call that? I think that I think there's a word for that. You might even use the F word for stuff like that. Um, I think again, using the stroke of a pen and forgiving student debt, something that even Nancy Pelosi a year ago said that Joe Biden did not have the power to do. There's a word for that. There's a word for what Obama did with DACA. Even he said when he ran for president, he didn't have the pres- he didn't have the power uh, to grant uh, legal state legal status to to uh, illegal immigrants, and then became president and proceeded to do that. What do you call that? I uh, so I haven't. Uh, exact answer to your question. So I'll take one of the examples that you gave, Nancy Pelosi saying that Joe Biden does not have the authority to do student debt relief. The reason she says that is because her top donors are bankers uh, and she doesn't want student debt relief because she's a corporatist. 
That's the word you're looking for. Corporatism runs this country, both for the great majority of the Republican Party and the great majority of the Democratic Party. They work for their corporate donors. That's why it was shocking that Biden did student debt relief, which I give him tremendous credit for, because that's a very rare thing the government does that actually goes to the American people as opposed to their corporate donors. So the word you're looking for is corporatism. The Republican Party loves it, and it is destroying this country. Well, if if by corporatism you mean that America, the government is too big, takes too much, taxes too much, regulates too much, you and I are on the same side of the line. In 1900, at all three levels, federal, state, and local, the government took less than 10% from the American people. Today, when you throw in the the, the cost of so-called unfunded mandates, the government almost takes half of what the American people can produce. So I agree with you, government's too big, too intrusive, and takes money away from people. There are four ways of spending money from the most efficient to the least efficient. The most efficient is your money on yourself. Next second is your money on somebody you care about. Third is when you have a boss and you have an expense accounts, his money on you, but you have to be careful, otherwise you get fired. The least efficient, most wasteful way of spending is somebody else's money on somebody else. And both parties engage in that, I don't disagree with that. So there's two things that I wanna clarify here. First, just real quick on socialism. Socialism is not the same thing as communism. What you described as communism, and I'm definitely against that. And by the way, I call myself a capitalist, but to be fair, the socialist, Norway is socialist and it's a perfectly lovely country. And it's not as you described it. Now, in terms of the whether the government is too big, I, 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 I did not you, say I that the government was I too big. I accuse you of being a communist. I just said the definition of, of socialism. No, 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 I know you didn't. Uh, you you said the definition of socialism, which is actually the definition of communism. Fascism is when the government allows you to own means of production, but tells you how to produce. And I gave you a couple of examples of, uh, of things Larry, that happen on the left. Your definition that you of socialism is just wrong. With the definition you read is of communism, not of socialism. So that, that's what I wanted to correct. So, but, but let's go to your argument about whether the government's too big. I didn't say the government is too big. I said the government is too corrupt. There's a giant difference. It, should the government be big or small? Well, doesn't it depend? It depends on what we're doing. So if you say the government should be big enough to give out social security, I love that and I agree with that and the American people overwhelmingly agree with that even though that's a large enterprise. On the other hand, if you say the government should be so big that we needlessly invade Iraq, I disagree. I don't want the government to be that big. I don't want the government to be big enough to eavesdrop on all of us. It isn't the question of whether the government is too big or too small. It's the question of whether who does the government serve? Does it serve public interest, all of us like in a democracy or private interest? And the way that we have it set up right now, Larry, uh, large donors and corporations can give through independent expenditures and a thousand other ways, basically bribes to all of our politicians and then they purchase them and then they do exactly as the people who bribe them tell them to. The government isn't too big, it's too corrupt. May I respond? Yes. Of course the issue is whether or not government is too large. This debate was had and your side lost. It's called Article 1, Section 8, where they laid out a handful of duties and responsibilities of the federal government and many of the things that the government does are not in there at all. The founding fathers did not even have an income tax because they expected government to be small. And regarding all of this corporatism that you talk about, there's a First Amendment right to redress grievances. It's called lobbying. If the government wasn't so big, there wouldn't be so many people lobbying the government to move laws. No, they would lobby to make it bigger. So it seems to me that you ought to be on the same side of Larry Elder and want government to be small. And as a result, corporations would not have that much to lobby about because government would not have its fingers in everything. No, Larry, the government was small, then lobbyists came in and lobbied for it to be get larger, and it did get larger, okay? And by the way, they don't always lobby for it to get larger. Oftentimes, hold on, Larry, let me finish. 
Oftentimes they argue for the government to get smaller, as in deregulation. Why? Because they don't want cops on Wall Street. They want to be, they're the robbers on Wall Street. They don't want the cops. So oftentimes they shrink the government so they can rob us more effectively. That's corporatism. But Larry, I also read that, and you, I noticed in your response to that you did not defend Social Security. It seemed like you were saying in one of your articles that you would cut Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid if you were president. Is that true? No, I would not cut any of them. We've we've made promises. We need to abide by those promises. But I will tell you that all three of the major so-called entitlements programs, I think it's an unfair term, are unsustainable. I didn't just say that, Obama said it, Bill Clinton said it. And so down the road, we're gonna have to do something with younger workers because the money is simply not gonna be there for them. And so, for example, we could raise taxes on the rich and then the money would be there for them. But my guess is you're gonna say raise the retirement age or somehow take it away from the people who would actually receive Social Security. Or, or, or down the road, offer the people who are putting their money in Social Security a, a higher rate of return by allowing them to direct at least some of the funds into, the, into things like the stock market. Oh, great idea. When then when it crashes, of course, everybody on Wall well, Street gets rich again, well, but the average American gets robbed. Well, no deal, and Larry, if you please run on that, please run on that. Bill Clinton had it put together a commission, and one of the recommendations was to get a larger return on the investment. So go and tell Bill Clinton. Oh, I will, and I did. Bill Clinton is a corporatist, like most corporate Democrats and corporate Republicans. I think you're obviously misunderstanding the core of the problem, but you think I'm misunderstanding it, and we just had a healthy conversation about it, okay? So if you wanna check out Larry, you can go to LarryWithEpic.com or UncleTom.com. Larry, thank you for joining us, I appreciate it. Thank you, and read Article 1, Section 8. <laughs> Take care, I read it, unlike Donald Trump, who's never read the Constitution in his life. All right, thank you, Larry. He's waiting for the movie.